Spielboys are watching Stevie's movies. Spielboys are watching Stevie's movies. Spielboys are watching Stevie's movies. Spielboys. The whimsy. I feel so whimsical, eh? Whoa! So much Whimsy! Coursing through my veins, Tom! Pulsing with whimsy! I could shoot it across the room! I'm so full of whimsy! (laughs) I could blast it from my fingertips! Oh, yeah! We're back, baby! We're back, babies! Little tiny babies, which makes up most of our listening uh, audience. As I understand it, we're like 95% babies. Yes. Just the, ba- the, the babies podcast. enjoy the weird little noises we make. Yep, 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 yep. yep. So how you doing, babies? You want to hear about uh, Temple of Doom, huh, babies? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> leave us a goo in the comments and let us know what you what you'd like us to cover next. Mm-hmm. Um, folks, this is Spielboys. Yes, it is. We're the Spielboys. Yes, I'm Tom are. Ryman. I'm Abe Epperson. You're Abe Epperson. Mm-hmm. This is a podcast about Stevie, about Steven Spielberg. Of all people. Um, of all people, of every, of all the people in history we could have done a show about, we picked Dark. little Stevie. Little Stevie. Also little a baby Stevie. in my arms. Uh, also a baby, a tiny Stevie. little baby. <laughs> just, just goo goo gaga, just a little bit, little bit of coos, just having a little nap. That's how I imagine yep. Stevie. A little, one little curly cue of hair. Oh, so perfect. <laughs> oversized lollipop yes um so yeah uh, as as a as, as as you sort of hinted uh today we're talking about spielberg's 1984 film uh indiana jones and the temple of doom hell yeah yeah hell it's yeah. the sequel to 82 is that right or is 81 81 81's raiders of the lost ark that's right that is right that is right yeah it's it's yeah it's three years after raiders yeah but paradoxically, one year before. I don't know. It's a prequel. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's weird. So we want to talk about the context, the background of where Spielberg was as an artist, and we call it Amblin Man. So much whimsy, Abe. He's right there in the Amblin Man. God, that's a goddamn whimsical <laughs> chapter heading. Yes. So much whimsy. Free-spirited. That's what this, this show is. Okay. <laughs> So, um, we mentioned that this is, uh, 1984, it's three years after Raiders, so we're right smack in the middle of, of the Stevie Sons. This is when Spielberg is blowing up and, uh, really solidifying his reputation. Because he had, you know, he had Jaws, which was the biggest movie of all time for a period of time. Then he followed that up with Close Encounters, which people genuinely, generally liked. That was uh, a hit, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then he kind of had a flop with 1941. Um, and I feel like there was something else in between there. So, but anyways, there, there was, wasn't. there it was Raiders. It was an ET sandwich. Then it was Raiders, ET temple of doom. And then he went on to do color purple in 85. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 81 through 82, 84. And something I also wanted to mention about these years is that 77 was Columbia. 79 was, uh, or close encounters was Columbia. 1941 was Columbia. Uh, Raiders was paramount. E.T. was Universal, Indiana Jones 2, Paramount, 
color purple Warner Brothers. Like there is, he's just working all around the place, you know, like in terms he's of kind of going wherever, that yeah, on him because he's like, and that's really when it comes down to it, the the auteur kind of concept that he is, like he and Lucas are really creating this is i think what they really mean is that they are now in the power seat they uh they are the proverbial cat birds they the studios aren't saying we want to make a picture we're going to attach a director it gets made what it is rather is they're like i have a project do you want to be a part of it and they're like hell yeah and he kind of has his pick of the litter at this point uh so Mm -hmm. that's really so this is if you want to think of any, if you want to think of the years that like that happened, obviously Star Wars was the beginning of it. Uh, uh, you know, Close Encounters was a little bit of it. Uh, you know, uh, Jaws too. Um, but like Raiders, E.T., Temple of Doom, what a run! Uh, it kind of solidified the blockbuster in a way that like it had it had been here, but it hadn't like been here. Like it was like is the next one going to be the highest grossing box office of all time? We don't even fucking know, you know? Yeah. Um, and such like, yeah, these, these movies too are mm-hmm. such, um, like obviously Raiders is a throwback, but ET is like really unique. Raiders is really unique too. So it's mm-hmm. just like this new injection of, uh, of, of talent and, and filmmaking style. That's just like, man, what a time, Abe. What a time to be what alive. Also, there was a poltergeist in there. There was a poltergeist there was in there. There was a poltergeist Throw that in, in there. there. Yeah, and he's about to... After 85, he starts his like big producing tour where he starts producing the shit out of the 90s. Um, but I can't... I just want to... I don't want to overstate how huge E.T. was. Culturally yeah. and financially. He And awards. He got standing ovations at the Cannes Festival, so an international festival. They were like, we love it. Uh, they sent a special print to Ronald and Nancy Reagan. I think we mentioned this on E.T. Mm -hmm. They thank him for making the movie. It got nine Academy Award noms, like biggest box office of all time. So this is his next movie. And I think it's important to say that George Lucas was like, it's clear that Stevie's going to go do whatever the fuck he wants because he right now is on top of the world. I need to make sure that in contract we get him for the next Indiana Jones. And he did. Uh, he, he talked to his friend and he made sure uh, that they made a movie together, basically. Um, I, was, I read this in the, uh, the complete making of Indiana Jones book. Um, but he, has, he sort of kind of, uh, not tricked, but kind of convinced Spielberg into a handshake agreement. It's like, okay, if you make Raiders, you got to make three of these. We're, we're, this is a trilogy. We're going to make three movies. So if you do Raiders, you're going to direct all three. And, and Spielberg agreed. And then when they came to sit down to break the story for this movie, found out that Lucas didn't have any ideas for sequels. Right. So <laughs> he was just like, no, I wanted to make sure I had you locked in. Right. Uh, I guess it should also go in the section that they both had a divorce and a breakup at the same near the same time. And this is the movie that like came out of that in a way. Like, uh, I think there's a reason it's super dark and I think yeah. it's because there's a dark time for both Lucas and Spielberg. Um, yeah. I've got a, I've got a couple of quotes about that later that we'll, okay, that we'll cool, share. Cool. But, but yeah, like during this time, like as temple of doom is being filmed and released, like ET hit theaters as they were, 
you know, he, he went right from E.T. into Temple of Doom and they were doing pre-production while he was working on E.T. So e the phenomenon that is E.T. was happening as he's making this movie, Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is nuts, nuts. right? Yeah. <laughs> like... It's a, quite a place to be. Um, yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So I think we've painted the stage, right? I think so. I think so. I think there's a bunch of other stuff we'll talk about, but there's a whole section for that, babies. That's right. That's your official name now. You're babies. <laughs> spiel babies. If we're the spiel boys. <laughs> yeah. I wonder who the spiel No, I don't like are. that. I don't, I don't like, like that at any all. of this. But you know what? No. We're running with it because we're never wrong. <laughs> and that's Statistically. To our next segment, never been right, wrong. Tom? Yes. Okay. This is our next segment where we talk about the movie. Uh, itself, like the plot, the themes, uh, and all of that good stuff uh, in a little section we like to call You're Doing It, Stevie! Yep. Because he is, and they are. Um, He did. He did do it. Yeah, so let's talk about this movie at whatever speed we'd like. Uh, Your quarterback this episode, because this is on Gameplay Unemployed, uh, if you want the other half, go to Small Beans. <laughs> um, but yeah, take yeah, it away, my you. friend. I'll just chirp in from the back row, going like, "You're killing it, man." <laughs> <laughs> I'll add, I'll add it when it uh, it makes sense. Occasionally eating a handful of circus peanuts. Yeah, just like Stephen King in Night Riders, just eating a hoagie. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Yeah. He's just randomly there. I think his name is Hoagie the- Man. Eating the, the biggest sandwich in the county. Yeah, fucking. All right, <laughs> that's an, All right, I'm, I'm not even gonna bother. <laughs> I'm not even gonna bother saying this is gonna. This should be pretty quick because we always say that and it never is. So it let's just is. let's just let's just get into the plot of this. Almost okay. every single person has seen it, but let's let's go. Let's let's pick apart what we like. Okay, so the film opens. It's 1935, so it's a year before Raiders. So this is a prequel. Um, Indiana Jones is in a club in Shanghai doing business with a gangster named Lao Che. Um, he is trading him this priceless, uh, archaeological artifact for a diamond, which already kind of shows you where Indy is at in this film. So Mm -hmm. already we've gotten sort of a, oh, this is a little less, uh, heroic than the first film. This is a little Mm -hmm. grimier, like a little sleazier. He calls him a famous um, archaeologist as well, is one thing I love about this scene. We right, that. like how famous how are famous? archaeologists? Yeah. I mean, if there were a dude like Indiana Jones running around the world, like shooting people, blowing up Nazis, stealing uh, artifacts, robbing graves, working with the government, you would hear about him. Like you would hear of that guy. That's right. fair. Right. Um, but it is funny that there is a famous professor like known on the other side of the world from where he teaches um there's a double cross where Lao Che tricks Indy into drinking poison and then we have some fun and games where uh he's trying to recover the poison and there's also a diamond being kicked around uh we're introduced to a nightclub singer named Willie Scott who uh Indy takes as a hostage and then she just becomes part of the adventure from that point on yeah, and it's a they have a great scene to setting up the instant dislike between the the romanciers. Um, you know, like it's it's yeah. like I think that's carries through the whole movie and it starts from giddy up, which I think is good. Uh, that's, that's Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Willie's real over the top, um, and Indy is very impatient with her, and that's basically their dynamic. Right. And it, other things I wanted to mention about this whole sequence is like the anything goes sequence, like uh, mm-hmm. just the idea of doing a musical. Obviously, Stevie has always wanted to flirt with musicals, and he's done it before at this point, and he'll do it again. Uh, this yep, is this he will. this one kind of rips. I mean, it's an old classic kind of. Warner or not Warner Brothers, but like MGM style, like musical. Uh, yeah, Bubsy Berkeley. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they, they, that's great. You know, just in terms of his his ability to just pull, like, well, let's use those camera angles and do that stuff. There's also a great scene. What I love about uh, the the negotiation scene, the thing I want to point out directorially that Stevie does a lot, is that like the lazy Susan is like one of the most Spielbergian devices you can ever have. Just the mm-hmm. concept of Placing down an object and having it move and then moving to the other side, going to the face, moving back down the object, moving it back, moving up to the other guy's face, moving down. Like, it's just this. That's when you think of uh, Stevie's camera, just think of things like nodes. Think of like there's a there's like five dots and we move between the five dots and that's it. It's a compound shot. But it's just Lazy Susan is like. He 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 gets hard for this shit. This is to him one of the greatest inventions of all time. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's used stuff like this all the time, and it's just like a mainstay of his uh, directorial style. Yeah, just the way he moves the camera. It's mm-hmm. like perfect. Like this, the setup is perfect for it. One hundred percent. Right. Um, it's sort of echoed later. Not not really echoed, but like it made me think of it. The big circular gong. <laughs> <laughs> that that then becomes its own kind of game. It's not yeah. It's not shot in the same way at all. It just no no. They're it's, both it's following big circles. Uh, movement in space. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's the golden golden eye. Just took that by the way. <laughs> oh, it sure did. Yeah, yeah I love that because <laughs> uh, it fall. He follows behind it like James Bond does in the beginning of Golden Eye with the tanks yeah. of gas or whatever he's behind. But yeah, it's a big gong. You remember? You've seen both of those movies probably. Yeah. You little, you little babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really I love the gangster that's shooting his Tommy gun at the gong. Like it's he, so good. he's like so he's just in pure ecstasy. Like he is in the zone. <laughs> yeah. He's never been happier than he is at this moment. <laughs> I fucking love it. I love it. Real real top shelf ghoul that yeah, just, guy. Just like a like a fucking Dick Tracy goon. Like he's not. Right, yeah, real. exactly. Yeah. He's like flat top. Yeah, <laughs> just... yeah. I mean, they're all cartoons. That's the thing we yeah. learn. That's the thing That's, we learn I, here. I wanted to talk about, um, sort of unpack the anything goes a bit, a little bit, because that's how this, this movie like literally starts with a musical number where they're telling us anything goes. Yeah. Um, this and this it, movie's going to be it, fucking nuts. <laughs> Yeah, and it's going to ignore all of the rules, quote unquote, from Raiders, basically. Right. Um, all of them go out the window. And also the musical number itself is kind of impossible because it zooms in to the curtains and then becomes this huge, elaborate um, room with all these, uh, I don't know, probably two dozen coordinated dancers. And there's a visual effect on the screen. Right. And then Kate Capshaw as Willie comes in there. Um, it, it, it's it's in a space that cannot exist within this nightclub. <laughs> yeah, and he loves to do that kind of match cut stuff. Even the uh, Paramount Mountain, uh, like, does a crossfade to the gong that we see like later. Uh, it's like it turn it, it's an insert. It's a match cut and a dolly out. Uh, he loves to do those kind of things where he like 
and we see it in a lot of the movies that we covered on this, but like, uh, mm-hmm. man, oh man, does he love to trick your eye into thinking that, oh, you, that there's an uninterrupted move and then we get a match cut, it moves somewhere else. You know, it does something, it, it zags when it's supposed to zig, you know? And it's, yeah, to the point where it's so, it, it's such a well-executed move that I didn't notice it until this viewing. Like, yeah. I, I ne- legitimately never noticed that the musical number largely takes place in, within Inside. an impossible yeah. space. Yeah, it's like, fantastic. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I love that. It's like a Harry shit. Potter tent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, the Anything Goes thing, um, it's letting us know, like I said right away, all the rules from Raiders are out the window. So, okay, so what rules? Uh, the stakes are different. It's not really about a MacGuffin this time. Um, the stones are kind of incidental. It's more about rescuing kids. There's no Nazis. No it's Nazis. not a. It's not a race. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels less like an adventure serial and more like a pulp novel or a pulp comic. Although there's still plenty of the adventure serial stuff in it. Right. Um, he's got no personal investment in this. Uh, whereas you know the last one, he's like wrapped up in Abner Ravenwood and Marion, and mm-hmm. like he's got father. a his father, and you know like uh, um. There's, you Marcus feel the and him want yeah. the art. Yeah, yeah, you feel the history there. We don't learn anything new about Indiana Jones in this movie. Um, and he's got no personal attachment to Willie whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in a position where he has no responsibilities, as opposed to the last movie, where he's, you know, obligated to the university to bring the arc back, obligated to the uh, government and to Marion, who he has a lot of personal history with. Like in this movie, he's just slumming it with some kid who's not his son. Yeah. Uh, and, and he treats him like a partner rather than the way a parent would behave with a child. He's got no connection to Willie, like I said. He doesn't even seem to particularly like her, but he's down to fool around with no strings attached. It's like, as man-boy as he may have been in, in Raiders, he is like maximum Spielberg he's, man-child this is, yeah, in this. This preamble. This is like, this is where he was coming from. He was this bachelor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is like, th- I want to say this is probably Indiana Jones at his lowest point. In a way, like, I think you could this say is that. Him at, yeah. This is him as his sleaziest, I'll say. He's definitely the sleaziest. Just the way he talks to Kate Capshaw, like, it's... It's ultimate. Hey, doll. <laughs> you know, he's just yeah, like, and he's shut your mouth. Kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's just got this child that he's got deals with, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's it's mm-hmm. very strange. But yeah, yeah. jump out the window. Short round picks him up. There's a car chase. Love it. Uh, and he takes great. the antidote. Um, yep. So yeah, they great get game. The... Great game. Yeah. The whole follow the uh, antidote thing. That's like straight out of Jacques Tati or like Truffaut. Very French. Uh, sentiment of just like follow the object around and that's that's the sequence you know mm-hmm. and spielberg does it all the time yeah he does he loves that he talks um, well, he talks openly about it. he's like those guys are the jam that's where i learned it he gets to the airport where dan Aykroyd puts him on a plane holy sh- ah uh, mr jones <laughs> i'm hot <Weber. laughs> like it's just it's my favorite it's- deployment of dan Aykroyd. just that voice yeah, it's Dan Aykroyd wasn't like super famous at this point. I don't like he had done 1941. He'd done Saturday Night Live and he'd done the Blues Brothers. But like Ghostbusters came out the same year as um, Temple of Doom. So, so he I'm not really, sure. I mean, he's SNL, right, but like, he hadn't I'm not, blasted on scene yet, really. Right. Yeah. As far as, as I mean, as far as I know, obviously, I, I was a, a year old, so I didn't exactly have my finger on the cultural pulse at the time, but it. 
it's interesting that it feels like a major cameo because the camera never gets close enough for you to see it's that it's like Dan Aykroyd. Hide him. Yeah. Right. It's like they're trying to hide that it's Dan Aykroyd. Um, but at the time, it would have just kind of been like a, I don't know, like a, it, it, it's it, anyway, it's an interesting cameo. <laughs> he puts him on the plane. Yeah. And yeah, that's the thing is that uh, this time, this feeling I'd never really put together because I'm just like Dan Aykroyd or here's some bumblefuck, you know, like he's just playing this random guy. But he's he seems like he's just one of Indy's normal lackeys that he has in any given town who are just Mm -hmm. like, oh, I know Mr. Jones. Yeah, I'll help you, Dr. Jones. You know, like but in this one, it's revealed he's a betrayer. Like he's straight up. He knows what's going to happen. And that didn't really that never occurred to me like that, that didn't occur to me until just now yeah he's he's, <laughs> he, he's in on it with Lao Chi because as we get that little great shot you reference nice try Lao Chi and then he slams the door and it says Lao Chi air freight on it so the plane itself yeah. is it's all a part of the ruse it's all owned by Lao Chi and, and so um, Dan Aykroyd. A- yeah presumably yeah <laughs> I never thought about that yeah right. man Dan Aykroyd sold them out sold his fucking man out what what is happening um all right uh so as they're in the air the two pilots uh sneak out of the plane and parachute out uh leaving willie and short round and indy to die in a plane crash Uh, yeah uh (laughs) they also i wanted to point out that the evil pilots fly out of china because we get that typical indiana jones like over the map montage of it's flying and it's a red dot that moves i want to say it's the only time we see the map in the movie is that right yes that's true although it's in all the movies of course but Mm -hmm. i want to but you usually see it more than once but anyway they're they're on they start on like the east coast of china they fly Mm -hmm. all the way across china which is huge into burma before they like dump the car cargo that's just wild to me. That means that these two pilots have to make it all the way back to East Coast China. Because right. I assume they have families, you know? Right. And know. also, did they keep the ruse up for like 12 hours? Yeah. I mean, I know they had to wait till they wanted. Maybe to they were just the, waiting for them to go to sleep. They wanted the gas to expire and they wanted them to be asleep. But like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like. You just put a little less gas in it. It just seems like that's like a thousand miles. <laughs> they also dump the fuel, so I don't know they, if it yeah, was. Yeah, <laughs> so it do, it doesn't even matter. They could have done it over right. mainland they China, do, twenty they minutes do in. Fly a really long way, and then they have to get all the way back. God damn! <laughs> I'm worried about those guys. I'm worried about that. I don't think they ever made it back. They uh, might not have. Yeah. I do like that Lao Shea, As far as he knows, Indiana Jones is dead. Like he will never hear otherwise. Yes. Most likely, Most it will likely. it will probably not get back yeah. to him that what? Indiana Jones is still alive. Yeah, so he won. So he had a great day. As far as he knows, he got the diamond. He got the artifact. One right. of his guys got killed with a shish kebab. But other than that, he came out God, on top. I love that shit. Just a missile of kebab. Uh, also, so good. like this plane. I'm not a plane guy, but do planes ever have steering wheels? <laughs> is that a thing in planes? Feels like I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It just feels wrong. I'm sure it's... They wouldn't put it in a major movie if it wasn't like a thing back in the day with old planes. It just feels weird. Like That would be a weird detail to get wrong, yeah. Because they're like, it's clearly just a steering wheel. Anyway, just life's little uh, life's little 
it, little uh, tidbits that m- improve my uh, thinking. That's all. That's just a fun yeah. And those, there's detail. still some. There's still some magic in the world. There's eh? Magic in the world, and I'm finding it out. Uh, Maybe planes have steering wheels. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, he makes a life raft out of a like basically a parachute. He makes a parachute out of a life raft, which is the perfect right. thing to have in this particular case, as it stands. Like literally, if you had one object that could make you survive what they're about to do, it would be a life raft. Yeah. You know, if uh, I'm not sure I totally buy it, but I get oh, what yeah. they're going for. Mythbusters so they, actually yeah. did a test and they said the fall would kill them for sure. Yeah, I'm sure it would. But of course they, like, it would. How could it not? off a cliff, fall into rapids. Yeah, it's and then they wind up uh, in a village uh, that is completely depleted. Uh, they're, star- they're all starving. And mm-hmm. they meet the village leader, um who tells them that their sacred stone has been stolen by uh, evil thuggies uh, from thuggies. Yeah. From the palace. Um, And as soon as they stole their sacred stone, all the rivers dried up and all the crops and animals died. And not only that, they stole all their children. Yeah. No children. At at first, at first, Indy's not trying to hear it. He's like, look, man, we're not going to stop in Pankot palace. We need to get to, I think where they're trying to get to Delhi. Delhi. I think. Yeah. Um, he's like, no, 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 no. We, we gotta go str- I gotta get back to my university. Mm-hmm. They're probably, <laughs> and I'm assuming that Indy hasn't been back to his university in like seven months. Yeah, no, he's point. been gone in Asia for yeah, a while. They don't know where he is. Right. I, there's some sec- There's a section I want to point out right before the, he hits the village, which I always thought was funny. It always bothered me because they meet an, like as you mentioned, they meet an old wizard, uh, and. Yes. I love this trope because I love that the old wizard is always ahead of them as he like Sherpas them to the village. Like he knows the ins and outs of all of the geography so he can get there quicker, but he's like, take this road. Um, and I always wondered like, does he worry about making it there in time? Like it, like Batman running away at the end of conversations, you know, like does he, is he worried at all that he'll have to run up and they'll see, Oh, he, he just like landed. Cause he's always standing there very solemn, you know? And it's just like very much a mystique kind of like style. Right. It's, it's a, it's a character he's he, been working on. He wants to be known as like fabulous wizard man. And uh, he absolutely kills it. I'm not saying he's not. It's just, it's, it's funny to me that he does this and we have this trope. It's just a weird trope. I never understood. Oh yeah. It's like, you know, the people standing just off screen until you say something and then they walk <laughs> in and it's like, Oh, <laughs> see, that's why you, you thought wrong. It's like, were you standing there the whole time? Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, Andy decides to help fortune and glory kid. They ride elephants. Willie sucks. As we find out, because she's used Willie, to, yeah, she is not in the her good element. life. She's she's hates every animal. She's she doesn't like water. being outside. Yeah, and that's uh, you know, and she she almost turns down uh, food that is more than these people eat in a week, according to Indy, uh, and it's just to set up the fish out of water thing. Um, but yeah, it's just more of the same. They do it a lot in this movie. I think everyone. They do it a lot. I think everyone yeah. kind of has come out and said, even critics at the time, even Capshaw herself was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you know, like they're like, "What's what, what's going on with her character?" Because uh, she mostly just screams and is terrified by everything. She really, yeah, she really is. She's either complaining or screaming for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I mean, she's fun. 
it's, but anyway it's definitely a movie f- created out of divorce <laughs> i would say <laughs> and a breakup it's not two men taking their issues out on screen is what i think. right yeah just but, in, in- invented this uh shrewish character that they're just like ah don't like them don't like the women folk but there were these two broads always screaming about always bats screaming. i always have to take care of the bats yeah right <laughs> maybe not i don't know maybe it's just a different thing. i don't know i think it's it's i think it was probably just a case of losing the um forest for the trees where yeah. it was just like, oh, it would be funny if this, 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 and this happened. We and then you step character. back and it's like, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> and is, we want to make Short this... Round, like, competent as fuck. So we can't really make him, like... Because it's always an escort mission with some, with some of these sequences in Indiana Jones, yeah. right? They, it's mm-hmm. like he's so well-versed in traversing this space that you need someone who's, like, less so. They do that so every time. Um, and uh, this one definitely overdid it. But anyway, he needs yeah he needs he needs a Watson he needs somebody yeah. he he needs some incredulous foil so that he can very coolly explain what he's doing. But we get a bunch of it because it continues on to the nighttime like campout like we have the bat gag with the towel and the snake gag at the end where she like tosses she thinks it's the elephant's trunk who's been nagging her all evening and throws the snake snake more mm-hmm. snakes Indiana Jones loves snakes of course we all know more snakes mm-hmm. that's a that's a thing. <laughs> Um, I always forget that that's a thing. Like I, I, I that's, that is the, the aspect of Indiana Jones that I never remember until I'm watching the movie is that, Oh, right. He's afraid of snakes. He's afraid of snakes. They reference it all yeah. the fucking time. Uh, mm-hmm. only that one time though, in this movie, it's just, oh, when she, another... when she grabs a snake and throws it, he sort of freaks out a little he bit, but I, a I snake feel like... statue. At one point in the in the Cali, yeah, and he, that's he true. tips his hat to it. He tips his hat was to like, it. That's though. weird because he doesn't like respect snakes. Like all the scenes that we've seen before are not like you know like Indiana Jones saying like I'm terrified of you snake, but goddamn if I don't respect you, you know he's. I took it. <laughs> we never have that. <laughs> I took it ironically, you know. I think it's supposed to just be like, like when, oh, you, snake, when you're. Yeah. Yeah, you're stealing something from a statue that looks all frightening, so you just kind of give it a cheeky That's little salute, true. like, yep, there you go, man. You, you sure were scary. Anyway, I'm stealing these rocks. One of my favorite moments of the jungle gag, though, is that it, they're just Rolodexing all different animals coming at uh, Willie. But then there's a mm-hmm. fucking owl. <laughs> just The owl, the I owl lose my shit every time. It's just, just a gigantic a owl. Gigantic owl. Why is that know. owl here? <laughs> Our, I mean, someone will probably point, like, show how little I know, which, once again. Are owls I in the jungle? Are owls Are they? in the, this kind of jungle? Like, this is ridiculous to me. It is a huge fucking owl that looks like it's from, like, from Alaska to me. Uh, right, it's covered yeah. in feathers. It doesn't look comfortable in this heat. But what the fuck do I know? Anyway, it's a hilarious shot to me. <laughs> yeah, incredible shot. I I got a, some notes about this scene later on. It was actually written by Spielberg. Oh, yeah. This is so cartoony that, of course, it's Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was trying to get some some fun jokes in there because of how serious it was. But there's uh, a there it, the scene was written out of necessity, too. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Um, Okay, so they get to Pancut Palace. They meet uh, the Prime Minister, um, and uh, he's he kind of is acting like he doesn't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, this village is starving. 
they say you stole their kids and he's like yeah that's ridiculous uh mm-hmm. come inside and meet they so they come inside to meet the maharaja and have dinner which is probably uh, arguably the most infamous uh scene of uh, uh from this film which is when they sit down and eat all the gross shit right yeah like the chilled monkey's brains the the giant beetles the snake surprise which is just a snake full of thousands of tinier snakes mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. eyeball soup it's just real gross <laughs> yeah i love that everyone's at a fancy party though it like turns out that all the british and indian stuffy intellectuals are here and politicians and whatnot and right uh, there's like a british colonel that's there to do an inspection and he shows up and at the, the end right uh, yeah like heroically even though it's like <laughs> that was that was that was a real weird vibe for me because yeah. this is 1935 so india is still under the under the boot of the british empire um yeah, we're not really it's, sure how we feel about the imperialism. Right, it's, it's like am I colonies. cheering for colonialism? Yeah, because <laughs> like they shows do up at succeed the at the end. But I yeah, just want to point sh- out at this fancy party where they gave like everyone got clothes. Like they did not have clothes, right? Like they basically had like yes, like they gave them clothes. all clothing. So they yeah. gave them, and they even give India a little bow tie, which I thought was nice. And it's a fancy party; everyone's got it. But Short Round is still just wearing his fucking Yankees hat and just the shirt that he brought. I love it. Short Round doesn't give a fuck about fancy parties. No, why would he? Yeah. <laughs> it's, great. it's great. His parents exploded, mm-hmm. and, and he's uh, been living on the streets. Yeah, as you mentioned, they discuss the, uh, hey, you evil. And they also uh, discuss, like, the ancient culture of the thuggy people who inherited the land before the British took over. And they're Kali worshippers. And they did human sacrifices. And they dunk on thuggies all together for a bit. And then Indy starts going hard at Chatter Lal, uh, which is the name of the, you know, kind of liaison. The prime minister. The prime minister. uh, uh, Yeah. And. Then the Maharaja like finally speaks to like break all of the you know context of what they're saying like this is not proper conversation or whatever. Maharaja's got a voice like an angel, right? <laughs> he really does. There's no slavery slavery here. It's just like all right, you're you, you sound like an alien, but whatever. <laughs> I always thought yeah, he that has, was funny, his, even as a kid. He has such a such a high pitched soft voice. When I when I was a uh, a young child, I thought the character was a girl. Right, right, yeah. It's um, so oh, it's because because he speaks like uh, the princess in uh, Never Ending Story. Right, it's like this ethereal yeah. angel angelic voice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's it's uh, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's real. Um, it's, it, uh, it almost sounds dubbed. It almost um, does. Yeah. I think they did. And maybe it is. I'm not I sure. They did. Um, so they show Indy and, uh, Kate Capshaw, uh, Kate Capshaw, <laughs> Willie, <laughs> and a short round to their rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some flirting between Indy and, oh, uh, yeah. Willie, even though they don't really like each other, they're still DTF because they're, they're two gorgeous people. Gorgeous Why wouldn't people they be? They would be fucking. Yeah. And they. I love the line where he says, "Like I'm, I'm gonna. St- I, I, I have many studies. I'm a sex studier." And he talks about. I'm gonna study mating rituals, <laughs> primitive sexual yeah, like, practices. And I'm like, really? It's like, how do you study that? It's, it's creepy ass nerdy game. Yeah, and it's like yeah, and I'm like honestly that just makes me think of the Indiana Jones fucking like cave people, right? Like that like how do you right. experience whatever? Furiously taking notes. Well, 
Yeah. Well, he's fucking. And they're both just nagging the shit out of each other. And they're like, I have yeah. had worse. <laughs> it's like, really? You you just said you like basically fuck cave people and you're like, ah, you're your middle of the road sexuality. I'm not. Yeah. Either. Like it, it, it blows up in both of their faces and I'm not entirely sure why I think they just, they both just take the negging too far and it's they both pride, get hurt dude. feelings. It's because the, the yeah, game of pride. chicken is. Yeah. It, yeah. Cause they're like, I'm not going to change for you. I'm not going to change for you. You get that shit all the time. It's also real incel energy. Once again, divorce guys. <laughs> I really think Yeah, it's the idea of like uh um sex without complications, like sex with no strings attached. Right. Like it's yeah. like oh, we'll simpler. just have sex cuz we're just yeah, you know, just Yeah. And as I mean, uh sure, Henry man. Jones senior says in the following film, like two ships passing in the night. Yeah. <laughs> they just they just want to simplify the fucking, you know? They don't want any they just wine them and dine them, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> It's the fantasy a divorced dude would write for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but so they <laughs> so they go back to their rooms to like stew <laughs> and like wait for you know they're they're still playing chicken and Indy gets jumped by this dude who painted himself into the wall. Fucking Real dumb. hero. That guy hero. has been. That guy's like a beef eater. He's been standing there motionless, yes. like just embodying, inhabiting that painting for I don't know hours probably um starts to murder indiana jones for about i don't know 90 seconds before short round finally wakes up which this is the (laughs) the first point i want to point out because it's like constant through the movie or i guess it's not even the first point because he saved him when he drove the car he short round is like in this movie like five for five in terms of just saving straight up without Mm -hmm. any help yeah just saving indy it's as far as yeah, the it's, trilogy right. goes, he, he gets saved the most in this movie, even more in La- than Last Crusade when Sean Connery saves him a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Short round is well, no wait, he triggers the trap. He does but, like have, other than yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. he does fuck shit up. But I think everyone, is I, I think that's the up. only time. Like yeah, like you're, but you're right. Other than that, like short round is like always right. In this I think movie. they go out of the way to be like short round fucking rips and he does um so yeah uh, short round wakes up and tosses indy his whip so he can fucking hang the guy from a ceiling fan (laughs) jesus it's dark some (laughs) dark shit that that short round is witnessing and about to witness just not great stuff for a kid short round you can tell (laughs) from some of the interactions he has in this he's had a life um He's killed before. Yeah, he's like he's like, eaten. Like, he's eaten family members. <laughs> like there's a, there's a scene later when he's in the mine. He kicks a ladder over with a guy on it, and that like, guy whatever. just falls to his death. Yeah, and short like, round does it without flinching. <laughs> he's like, I don't give a fuck. And he like looks into the abyss of child slavery, and he's just like, I got some shit to do. <laughs> like he's yep. not even phased, man. Uh, that's fucked up. Uh, but they get into the fight leads to a secret access tunnel, doesn't it? Where in get... Willie's room they go. He yeah. goes into Willie's room looking for another assassin, I think. And it leads us, and to then bugs. finds the secret passage that leads them to the Thuggy Temple. But they have to go through a spike room trap 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 a it's hallway a of bugs, haunted house, just... ghoulie shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallway but... of bugs, hallway of corpses. It's a little similar to the uh, the well of the souls scene in Raiders. It's definitely how you do studio. Like you had, they clearly shot on like three different sound stages, or you know, converted if it was all the sound stage, same sound stage. But um, it's how you do geography, man. You guys got such an eye. Like it's never unclear to me how this hallway works. You know. Uh, yeah. and it's, it's just one of those things that like, sometimes when I watch stage work that it's like stage cut to stage, cut to stage that they're like trying to dissect a bigger space and put and creating it into like multiple spaces. It's just like, Oh man, we, we're not very good at it anymore. Stevie, uh, they used to be an art man labyrinth and this, holy shit. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, but yeah, the building of these sets and the working on these sets, the crew, there's a story about the crew people talking about going home and finding bugs in their clothes and hair. It must have been a mm-hmm. fucking awful. Um, all of uh, all of the different willies too, because it's Kate Capshaw, and then they also used stunts, a few doubles yeah. for the insect scene. So yeah, they were all so just that covered she wouldn't in bugs. have the psychological trauma of like having millions of bugs on her at, uh, every day. Mm-hmm. She got uh, bit by one. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, she got stung by one of the insects she on the hand. She went through the ringer on this one. And then she married Stevie. <laughs> and she married Stevie. So that's um, how So works. Willie shows up and... Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that's how that's how getting a lady works. You just throw a bunch of bugs on them. <laughs> throw bugs on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a real grade school way of letting somebody know you like them. Yes, sir. Push them in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Willie saves them from the trap room. Um, they go from the trap room to the titular temple of doom where all the thuggies are there. Uh, they've got this elaborate pit over a volcano and they're doing them some human sacrifices. Oh yeah. Uh, their leader, Malaram, um, is, he looks like a, he looks awesome. He looks like a pro wrestler, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) He fucking rules, dude. And we also noticed that the Maharaja is like the thrall of Malaram. Uh, Right, he is, he is, yeah, he is clearly in in thrall and we later learn that he is being possessed with this black blood that Malaram makes everybody drink. Um, It, uh, you know. So Malaram has, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say that as far as sacrifices go, this is a pretty rad sacrifice. Descending this into lava, sh- having a little visual like, ah, here's their heart and it's going to burn when they burn. That's that's a crowd pleaser. And speaking of the crowd, they are just, when it, the human sacrifice is done, the crowd just disperses like routine <laughs> like it is they just immediately bored. leave they're like ah that was a right. fucking great one i love human sacrifices uh it's over right now. like all right let's get a <laughs> it was it's like an employee meeting called by managers right like it's like okay 3 30 for the sacrifice and as soon as it's, it's over everybody's great. fucking beelines out, <laughs> it's of the just room. out of there it's fucking great i love this but world. yeah this is this is the other uh, infamous scene from the movie is Malaram has this ability to pull people's hearts out of their chest. And that's very infamous uh, mm-hmm. part of the film. And also close um, the chest up after. It closes right back up. So it's like. Because this is PG. It's unclear. <laughs> and Like, it's so unclear. If that it's dude just a is, lot of that evil magic. That dude should be dead before he gets down to the lava, right? Like, if you do not have and, a heart. And yet he's not. Yeah. So I think it also might be like psionic heart like i don't know 
let's not get into it. <laughs> yeah, it's let's not think about it too much. It's yeah. it's it's black magic. That's yeah, all we exactly. need to know. Exactly. So Indy notices that the three Shankara stones are down there, including the stone that was stolen from the uh, village. So he scrambles on down there to take all the stones. He's got them all and he's about to leave. But then he hears the cries of the children in the mine below. Mm. So he can't he can't turn his back on that. And that that's kind of good guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's the it's the kind of it's the man boy thing, you know, where he's mm-hmm. got a the man child thing where he has to sort of put down his childish thing, which is the fortune and glory and be responsible. Like oh, he's kind of uh, like a single dad in this movie with short oh, round. Yeah, I mean, it's the man child, man. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, and like divorce dude. Out, yeah. I want to point out simultaneously, however, that as soon as he leaves and he goes after the children, Short Round and Willie are captured by guards. So the people that he left, like, yeah, he's a good guy, but he also just left his party and they just immediately got captured. Uh, oh, yeah. I just think he's a, he's a clown. Funny. He's just like moving around, think, trying to save whatever's in front of him. Like, just a termite yeah. eating wood in front of him, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> constantly churning out that shit. Uh, but yeah, he finds child Look slavery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, throws a rock at the guard. Hell yeah. Didn't have a follow-up plan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I want to mention gets something. Caught. I want to mention something about this and see if you have any familiarity or you're like, no, you're a fucking sociopath. But as a kid, and this is like some peak white kid shit, I thought the mines looked cool. I recognize that it's a horrible atrocity, It's a, but it's still a Spielberg movie with a cool-ass set. Like, the walkways are dusty and have cobwebs on them. looks janky, but visually it's like like a the pirate ship in Goonies. And I'm, like, vibing no. on that. And they throw a scene at me where it's like a kid is saying, like, I'm praying that I'll die. And it, I'm like, as a kid, I was like, this place rules, man. Uh, it was obviously, no, it was horrible. But like, I still just, I knew it was a movie, you know? Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Like, I think, and I think that's maybe the competing tones of this movie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, where it's like. Of course, it's designed to look like adventure. It's you know, it's you know, they they modeled the movie after Gunga Din, and you know, it's still based on adventure serials and like treasure hunting and stuff like that. So like creepy old temples, they still design them to look like um, to evoke that feeling of adventure and exploration and A mystery and discovery. Part, so yeah. it's yeah, so it still looks like this kind of oh, this is the temple of doom where he's going to have to explore right. it for treasure, and there's probably traps and stuff to navigate. And at the same time, there are children being worked to death in it. So it's yeah. No, I don't think you're wrong. With the kid saying, "I'm praying every day that I will die," that is like the hardest that the Indiana Jones as a, se- a franchise ever goes. That one. Scene. <laughs> It's yes, the single true. most dark shit that I've ever heard. It's so funny. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But no, you're not wrong. They're all designed like um, uh, something out of like boy's life. Exactly. Or, you know, like it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, yeah. Um, it's comic book stuff. Um, I love it. There's something you pointed out where like Indy leaves Willie and short round sort of behind uh, pretty carelessly. And then they just immediately get caught. There's a couple of moments like that in this movie uh, and in, in all the Indiana Jones movies. And that's like an intrinsic part of his character, I think. And it sort of is also a part of just the character archetype where, you know, Indiana Jones is kind of a scoundrel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is Han Solo. And like, s- similarly, 
both characters like uh, an intrinsic part of a scoundrel means that they also have to be at some point you know or at least several points uh, sometimes they've got to be embarrassed right they have to show that they don't actually always know what's going on and they are kind of full of shit and they are a little full of themselves um so like indie it's part of indie's charm is that like he screws up a lot right. you, know? Yeah, yeah. you know like the i don't have a plan i'm making this up as i go or you know where he's later on uh where he punches the guy and he, or, or no right rather where he's fighting the um the airplane mechanic and um in raiders and he throws a punch and the guy just shrugs it off and punches him back and he kind of staggers for a second and then it's falls like, oh. on his ass yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, i love it I love it. yeah it's it's just part of his character like you know we we love indy and he's cool and he usually knows what's up but also he's like flying by the seat of his pants most of the time and he doesn't really always know what the hell he's doing absolutely um, anyway yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a necessary aspect to the rap scallion is that you take the wind out of their sails all you, the time. You have to, yeah, you have to. That's that's what makes the char- part of the character's charm. Um, because otherwise he's just a dick. You know? Yeah, he's just a successful <laughs> dick. He's Iron Man. But, yeah, you know they humble Iron Man too. They yeah for sure. Um, that's the word I was looking for. Humble. Okay, so they all get caught. They um force indiana jones to drink the black blood and he becomes possessed um and then they uh, they're gonna force him to lower willie into the sacrificial lava tomb but they don't rip willie's heart out because she has plot armor yeah, I was um, yeah. Like, she also gets like right above the lava whereas the previous guy burst into flames w- like, like appropriately 10 or 15 feet above the lava yeah, you'd be get, getting crispy before you got burst into flames i don't know it's all magic but uh, yeah, not with, really. the, with the molaram not taking her heart thing i was like that almost in in context makes it f- better to me because that means that the previous time was probably just a one-off like he only do- likes to do that sometimes just as a show you know it's like you not can't a necessary right you can't do it every time or else yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll get you used can't, to you, it gotta keep right the skip. you can't uh, eat ice cream every day yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> or else it's not a treat you see anymore. how bored my thrall is <laughs> there's fucking bored of this shit already gotta throw a heart rip in here yeah that would make it pretty riveting. You never know when the heart rip's going to show up. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So he's a... So like you'll be one of those things. dudes, like, week after week, you're telling your fellow thug, he's like, no, 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 man, I'm serious. Malaram, he will he will straight rip this dude's heart out, I'm telling you. And then each week, it keeps not happening. I will bet you 80 rupees he doesn't. <laughs> That's exactly And then he it. does. And then you fucking... I don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Short Round escapes again. That's the thing. He right, they put dis- short round to work in the mines, and yeah. he just gets right out. He breaks out, kills of the guy, <laughs> iron, kills the guard on the ladder, gets the fuck out of there, runs up to Indy on stage. I get, I'm calling it a stage, even though it's a sacrificial altar, and he gets uh, he just slaps short round into oblivion, and then uh, mm-hmm. but then of course he burns Indy. Perfect move. He says, "Indy, I love you," and he saves the fucking day. And then he says, "You're my mm-hmm. best friend, Indy," and it's so fucking heartbreaking. And then the two of them just beat the shit out of all the guards, don't they? They do, yeah. They kick the prime minister into the winch, too. <laughs> yeah. That looks oh, painful. That's fucking fuck, dude. <laughs> that, that guy's that chest sucks. is done. 
Indy tries to get Molaram, but he has a fucking escape pod <laughs> of some kind. It's so it's so funny. Like he has a little <laughs> trap door beneath his his throne, and like he just kind of goes like whoop, Zoom. right into the trap door, yeah. just laughing his ass off. <laughs> yeah, as a great he does day. It. He's like, I get to use this shit today. Uh, what a great life. Yeah, they called me a they called me a fool for having it installed. They I'm, said it was an unnecessary expense. Well, who's unnecessary now? I really think I have what it takes to create a cult. I'm just saying it now. I think you probably do, man. I think I could I think I could and I think it would be pretty awesome. But uh, anyway, they pull Willie back so, up. Yeah. Yeah. They uh they decide to they they go back to the mine. They free all the kids. Uh the kids start fucking the guards up cuz they're sick of this, too. Yeah. Um, Indy has a fight with the the main giant guard, their their resident giant, Pat Roach, um, Saint, the same guy, Pat Roach, all, th- same all three guy. of them. Yep, and this time in, in brown, brown face, face. not yeah, great. I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah, he was also, if you remember, he's always just the big brute guy that he has to fight. He's the the mechanic and the giant Sherpa and Raiders of the Lost Ark. So he's 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 always the guy that. Pat Roach, mm-hmm. the actor, and I think we we must have mentioned in Last Crusade, but he is in scenes deleted um, in Last Crusade. You can see him walking up to the blimp with the tank commander. Indy was supposed to fight him on the blimp, but they cut that scene. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So he fights their resident giant, kills him hideously uh, in a rock crushing machine. I I also love that at one point in the fight, the brute's plan is like, I am gonna grab you and put you in a minecart, and then I'm gonna get into that minecart with you, so you can nice and close and fight. I just want to know what the like his plan was, like when he did that. When you watch that scene again, just like it's jazz, that's a, baby. It's, it's, jazz. it's funny. It's funny that that was his plan. Put you in a minecart, get in with you like a bath. Uh, and also simultaneously we have the Maharaja doing the voodoo doll shit on Andy. So that's like, that's our not ticking clock, but it like ups the stakes, uh, constantly. So short round needs to go beat the shit out of the other boy. Um, yeah. And then burns him and and brings him him back to his senses. But yeah, he hits, Indy hits him with a saw. That's the Mm -hmm. first thing. I mean, it's PG and the shot's distant, so you can't like see him cut through, but that shit would slice him up. And then, uh, yeah, his, his fucking cape gets stuck in the rock crusher. And it is slowly smashed. Yep, <laughs> like just crushes him from the feet smash. up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it is awful. It's so awful that Indy tries to pull him out. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, no one deserves this. <laughs> Even though you're my <laughs> yeah. sworn enemy. You may be a child enslaving giant murderer, but <laughs> let me try to pull you out of that because yeah. that's fucked. That's too fucked. <laughs> uh, but then they escape using the minecart as soon as Molaram arrives because he's like, Molaram always has got like his team of uh, lackeys behind him, so they're overpowered. And he's then got a crew. He rolls deep. He rolls deep, and it's it becomes full-on Donkey Kong country at this point. Just the yeah, greatest idea it's just ever. A- Minecart chase, which uh, uh, was an idea that Spielberg had had in, initially uh, for Raiders when they were doing all their Raiders pitches. So Fucking he was crazy. like, OK, we're doing a sequel. Let's put the minecart in. The minecart is easily five or six times as long as this mountain could possibly be. Oh, yeah. But, um, but it's awesome. It's a great scene. It ends a little bit Looney Tunes where Indy has to climb out of the cart and slow it down with his feet. And then his feet are literally smoking and he's asking for water. Mm-hmm, it's just that. another water. It's water, another anything oh, goes water, moment. Water, water, Because then the, the mine is flooding. So uh, 
so he has the the water changes context when he says it. It's he needs water, and then he's like, "Ah, I'm afraid of water." That's a nice little Looney Tunes I touch. Been, I should have been careful of what I wished for. Yeah, exactly. Now here comes all of the water. Yep. So they climb out on the cliff to escape the water, um, and then they climb up uh, to a rope bridge uh, to cross, but they get stuck. Uh, uh, cornered by thuggies on either side so indy's like all right fuck it i'm cutting this rope bridge <laughs> fucking <laughs> a- absolutely unhinged <laughs> yep he's just <laughs> Jesus. he's totally willing to sacrifice short round yeah um, everybody i mean he does Willie. he does tell him hey on special occasions i speak mandarin and this time i'm gonna tell short round to like grab onto something so you don't fall but still, there he's putting everyone in horrible peril. Yeah. I mean, the flip side is get captured by the thuggies and taken back down to the Temple of, of Doom. Yeah. So you roll know, those dice. Roll those dice, Indy. Um, the bridge collapses. It's spectacular. Then we have an action scene of the rope bridge hanging off the side of the cliff as, cliff as everybody's trying to climb up it. Indy fights several thuggies who fall to their death in the river below to be ripped apart by crocodiles. Yes, sir. Um... He finally comes face to face, I guess, with Malaram hanging on this bridge and they have a little bit of a fight. You know, there's a little bit of back and forth where they're gaining and losing ground on the bridge and Malaram throws one of his own guys down at Indy to try to knock him off. What a piece of shit. And then finally, yeah, he's a real scumbag. He's like laughing as he does it. He loves being Malaram. He loves death. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he really, really loves is a being wrestler. Malaram. He really is. <laughs> he really is. He's like, he's a great heel. He's a wonderful heel. <laughs> God damn. And he's even yeah. got the sacrilege angle angle because he's got like a ram, like he's his helmet. As a cow like, skull. As a cow skull, which is sacrilege, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um and he's a he's a death cult. He's a death worshipper. Mm-hmm. Um all the reasons. All of the reasons. So they're finally fighting over the satchel that Indy has the three Sankara stones in, and he starts chanting. Um this is out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh like at least in Raiders, there was some buildup. Like there was, they planted the seed of Indy understanding. Okay, we should not look at the Ark when they open it because that'll be bad. But he just pulls this out of his ass. This is straight <laughs> up. He performs a magic spell to make the stones right. burn out of nowhere. He, he just is, is like, I wonder wizard. if this will work. Like if spells <laughs> mean that you're, that's how you control. Like that's magical power. He is on par with. A wizard. He he's fucking Harry Potter at this point. Uh, yeah, he's just needs. He's got a whip instead of a wand. And he I tries, mean, there was a gigantic owl in the jungle, so maybe oh, that was his headwig. All forming together and British colonialism. Hmm. Um. But yeah, Malaram tries to yeah, catch one of them, and it burns yeah. him, and he falls to his death. Ooh. Eaten by crocodiles. He also has a really funny death, where like his head bounces off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> they really. They really they make it really undignified. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he sucks. He was enslaving children. It's real gritty for the deaths. It's it, you know. It's pretty hardcore. Yeah. It's as it's as <clears throat> almost as gritty as you can get while still being bloodless. Yep, and that's why it's PG. Well, actually, it was not PG thirteen, but they had to create PG thirteen for it. Um, they did. Yeah. But yeah, um, I love. Yeah, that they get to the. Dudes oh. fire arrows immediately after Malaram dies, and all of the arrows miss twice. They fight. They hit all around Indy, 
but it's not that far. Yeah, like, it's, it's surely crazy how bad they avoid him because surely one of you guys could hit him. And I mean, the arrows do up the stakes, but like it is unbelievable how bad they miss. So like to me, it's, it's like, like right, uh, it's like somebody just threw a handful of arrows Jesus at the Christ. cliff wall around him. It's very funny. Yeah. Um. Because they all hit at roughly the same time, too. <laughs> and they're, like, right near his head. It's like it's they're, they're just cutting them out. It's weird. Anyway. Yeah, they missed. It's fine. Um, they get to the top of the cliff. The British guy with his uh, battalion or whatever shows up and shoots, all, shoots a bunch of the thuggies and takes the rest into custody. They're all saved. They return to the village with the, uh, with the stone. And the uh, we can see that it's green again and the water is flowing and the animals are back alive. And the, the leader of the village is like, we knew you succeeded because the water came back. Like it rained. I think he says it rained for like three days straight or something. Right. Um, so not only that, they show up with all the children. All the children are back. What if he was like, this is not our stone. You got one of the wrong stones. Oh, you got the wrong one. I yeah, because the other two, the other two it. fell in the river. You couldn't mention <laughs> it though, if he, if it was, because he, like you wouldn't quibble with the guy who just returned your children. You know, right? And it's like, well, this kind of looks like this. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It'll, it'll, it'll be. Go. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Yeah. They uh yeah that's they, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, yep. Willie Willie and applauds. Indy kiss finally. They they seem to have an, an amicable kiss. <laughs> I mean, uh, sh- it's short a round squirts them with an resolution. elephant. Kate Capshaw tries to talk about how she hated all of this and is returning home and doesn't want that's anything true. to do with Indy, and he whips her uh, into her his possession basically, and they kiss. Yeah. But I mean, I guess she's smiling and you know whatever. No, it's, it's yeah, it's good. it's established that it's been that's been kind of their it's game. Their so. energy, yeah, they just yeah. Wanna you know it's it's not great it's the kind of shit a divorce dude would write uh- <laughs> exactly but that's that's the end of that we went through the movie well done tom you are my hey, hey well you you helped quite a bit sir so well done to us both we are great at this all right let's move We're on to so the next good one at this. yeah i think so yeah I just I think the only other thing I had written down that I didn't mention is that or maybe I did mention it. But anyway, this is kind of this film's kind of the opposite of Close Encounters, which I thought was interesting. Where in Close Encounters, he sets aside all of his responsibility, including his family and everything else to for his obsession. And in this movie, Indy does the opposite. That's true. That's true. Nice. Nice look. Yeah. 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 Take that people yeah not, not every decision divorce dudes make her is bad <laughs> just true. most of them just most of them uh, um all right so our next section is uh, a little section where we like to talk about like behind the scenes trivia stuff about the production of the film the making of uh and a section we like to call teamwork makes the dreamworks skg abers I have been flapping my lips for quite a while. Yeah, you want to you want to lay I'll, some I'll, you want to lay some shit on us? Yeah, I'll lay down some pipe here. Uh, <laughs> this is forever will be known as the Indiana Jones that Harrison Ford got especially cut for because uh, he knew he, he is shredded. He shredded movie. in yeah. this movie, and like not that he wasn't, I guess, in later ones, but like he he knew he had to take his shirt off for this one. Uh, so yeah, so. He, uh, uh, so Lucas came up with the idea that involved a religious cult devoted to child slavery, black magic, and human sacrifice. And did we mention 
He was going through a divorce. He was going through a divorce. And one of the things that I saw online was that Lawrence Kasdan of Raiders of the Lost Ark fame was asked to write the script. And he's like, I don't want to be associated with Temple of Doom. I think it's horrible. (laughs) It's mean. There's nothing pleasant about it. That's a quote. Uh, I love that shit. Lawrence Cast. <laughs> uh, there were several writers on this, uh, and they were in early 1982 at Skywalker Ranch. Uh, one of the writers, Hike, said Lucas was very single-minded about getting through meetings. Well, quote, Steve would always stop and think about visual stuff. It's so clear to me. Okay, you know, <laughs> let me give you this one. Lucas's initial idea for Indiana's sidekick was not short round. It was a virginal young princess. And then oh, Hike, no. Katz, and Spielberg, the other writers in the film, were like, I don't like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so that didn't happen. It's just so clear to me that Spielberg is just constantly running all the good ideas. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. But Lucas, you know, he had the first idea, and that's the important one. That's the important one, yeah, that's... Uh, it's the one that 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 that's the one that gets uh gets you all the checks. The um one of the things that has been said about Lucas biographer uh Marcus Hearn talked about Douglas Slocum who is the uh DP of the film, famed DP, done a lot of Spielberg's works. Uh talked about how his lighting disguised the fact that about 80% of the film is shot on sound stages. Just let that mm-hmm. sink in. That's pretty crazy. But not all of it was. I mean, so it was shot at Elstree Studios, which we've heard that name before. Pinewood Studios, we've heard that name before. These are both mm-hmm. English studios. Um, but obviously, they had some location stuff. They have the exteriors. They have, like, the exterior, uh, not inside the temples, but the outside temple stuff. And um, they tried to get India to, they tried to shoot in India, but India wanted to remove terms like Maharaja and like the voodoo elements of the story. They didn't like Molaram at all. Uh, they they wouldn't allow them to use a particular temple they were interested, so they shot in Sri Lanka instead. Um, and one of the other things that I noticed is that the production designer wasn't Norman Reynolds, which typically it is at this point in their careers. Um but he was doing Return of the Oz and I think Return of the Jedi at this time. Mm-hmm. So they brought in the guy that taught him everything. So his mentor, Elliot Scott, who did Labyrinth and who framed Roger Rabbit. And that's the guy who, pr- who did the production design of the movie. So I love it when it's just like, oh, yeah, you got a lot of stage work. We'll bring you the guy who's like really good. Let's get the guy who's really on the up and up in terms of, uh, uh, you know, like stage work. Okay, he can't do it. Let's get his dad. <laughs> you know, like that's basically <laughs> how they went, approached it. And it was just like they could have anything they wanted. There, anyone who was open wanted to work on this movie, um, except for Lawrence Kasdan. Apparently. Except for Lawrence Kasdan, <laughs> who was like, "Fuck this movie! It's a stupid." It was movie. like hard no. <laughs> I love that. The flex is so awesome. A uh, few other things that are pretty cool. Uh, if you ever want to know how they accomplish the mind chase there is a cool video of it online of like uh it's some featurette or something like that and they kind of break it down a little bit but if you don't want to put in that work uh you can it's basically just a combination of they built a roller coaster first off on a stage uh pretty short you know short runs down straightaways and such but most of it is like scale models 
and they actually just had dolls doubling for the actors in some cases. Oh, you can super tell. You can tell <laughs> when it, yeah, when in some dolls. shots. Sometimes you can't. <laughs> Minor stop motion was used when like the um the mine carts flip around and there's a there's a jolt of action or someone like it gets burst something that is explosive and its uh, action happens that's stop motion and then mm-hmm. also there's a ton of blue screen to place the actors in front of just miniature set miniature dolly moves that essentially they just move the camera real fast down a, a miniature and then put the actors in front of it looking around um, and that's how you create a sequence that is well known as one of the coolest sequences in the movie just absolute banger uh, and it's all almost like 90% done with like camera trickery and very little actors acting uh, except for you know the small amount of s- stage space and but, yeah coaster they that could is really make. cool yeah that, that you can just take miniatures with dolls and make <laughs> and make this um all time sequence like yeah. this is this is an awesome sequence right <laughs> Um, in the end, uh, Steven Spielberg said in 1989, I was not happy with Temple of Doom at all. (laughs) It was too dark, too subterranean, and much too horrific. I thought it out poltered poltergeist. There's not an ounce of my own personal feeling in Temple of Doom. And I feel like this is where you had a segment you wanted, or a, a bit you wanted to talk about Spielberg and how he tried to add some brevity or uh, levity to this movie, right? Yeah, I have a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, hit me up. But yeah, there's stuff later. I actually also have a follow-up quote to that quote. Yeah, what's up? Where he says, um, later during the making of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom documentary, which was on the first DVD release, he says, Temple of Doom is my least favorite of the trilogy. I look back and say, well, the greatest thing that I got out of that was I met Kate Capshaw. Yeah. We married years later, and that, to me, was the reason I was fated to make Temple of Doom. So, yeah, he, he clearly doesn't think much of this film. It was made during a, I don't know, not I, uh, maybe a low point in his personal life, but uh, as his professional life was taking right the fuck off. So, and then I have a quote from George Lucas. Right, here we go. Oh, man. Um, oh, where is it? Okay. The story ended up being a lot darker than we intended it to be. Part of it is that I was going through a divorce at the time and I wasn't in a good mood. <laughs> yeah. And part and part of it was just that we wanted to do something a little bit more edgy. Okay. That's Edgelord, fair. I love you, Edgelord. He also said later, I love this, this is movie. Lucas. Lucas. I love this movie. It's just slightly darker in tone and not as fun as the first. <laughs> so like he doubled down later. Like he's like, Yeah, it was dark, but that made it better. <laughs> You know, like I just, and that was also their stated intent was to make it darker too. Right, like they did Spielberg, it. Spielberg had uh, himself envisioned it being the Empire Strikes Back of of the Indiana Jones trilogy. Um, so it was deliberately made darker, but they just they went real hard. They went real hard, <laughs> and, and so... I just think it's funny that Lucas is like, you have Spielberg saying like, yeah, we we kind of missed the mark here, and I mean it's not that Lucas is insane. Yeah, I I, no. I admit it is dark, but. Two different, like one saying, "I don't, I'm not happy with the movie at all." The other saying, "I love this movie." Shows you a little bit about like how they went from 
the divorce, you know, like how they internalize that shit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it. It's just, it's there. You might be, yeah. <laughs> it's just there. You were like, Spielberg is like, I don't know what I was thinking. And Lucas is like, yeah, yeah, yeah fuck yeah. that fuck bitch. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> The world is dark. <laughs> you know? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm right, putting words in his mouth. He, Probably, I don't know. Yeah, sorry, it's, you know, because I... I go back and forth on this movie myself. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I do think it's real, a really cool adventure movie for the most part. It's a little racist. Um, it's a little too Looney Tunes and I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah. Usually I love the Looney Tunes in a spe- in a Stevie. The thing is, it's that it's the whiplash you get from I'm praying so... that I'm going to die to right, a it's... hammer flies and it knocks someone out. Whoop, 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 whoop. This movie is at such tonal war with itself, which I think is best exemplified in the dinner scene, which Spielberg specifically created because he thought it would be funny. Like, it's supposed to be a funny scene, right. and it is kind of funny, but it's mostly gross. Yeah, it's <laughs> mostly gross. That's what people remember about it. Yeah. Like, you can watch it. Like, as a kid, I dreaded that scene. And I can watch it as an adult and kind of laugh at it and be, I'm, I'm laughing at it in like an incredulous way. Like, man, this fuck, like, this is wild that you guys did this. This is unhinged, this sequence. Mm-hmm. Like, why would this palace full of refined people, like, you know, Eat like, the why most would any, exotic. why like would they be eating monkey brain? Like, it's, <laughs> they'd be it's eating delicacy, food. Baby. Like, what? It's, Man, a, it's not only a del- the super rich can have it. It's like one of those things. Yeah, it's it's not a de- like Spielberg literally. <laughs> oh, it's all invented. Said, yeah, it's... right. He literally said, "Okay, let's sit down and think of what the grossest shit you could uh, can imagine." It's right. like, why are they? It's not the Texas Chainsaw family. Mm-hmm. It's like a palace. Like, why would they be eating like ghouls? In Which this is pretty palace? rough, considering that he's just like, "Oh, you don't want to do actual like Indian dishes or anything." No, 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 no. Let's think of the grossest shit we can think of. Yeah, the grossest shit we can imagine. It's like, <laughs> I mean, well, maybe. Maybe the maybe the thuggies should have been eating that. I mean, I guess they're all thuggies, I mean, but like here's the thing: it's just the nature of the ethnographic kind of style and kind of way in which the stories unfold. It's B serial. The whole concept of Indiana Jones is B serial. It doesn't stop to think about the people that are surrounding the events it's there to focus on indie right it's just the next part of the ride exactly so it's dna is to be ethnographic in its approach you know and therefore and therein lies the racism therein lies the mm-hmm. sexism etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah okay so uh here's i've got i've got some stuff i've got some notes for this <laughs> section with it i know it's good okay so originally uh the story for this film was about a haunted castle in scotland Oh fucking um, K. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Um and I think they they repurposed some of that in um Last Crusade with the the Scottish castle that they go to. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. But uh Spielberg kind of pushed back against that idea because he had just done poltergeist and he was like, I don't want to do more ghosts. I want to do something a little different. Yeah. yeah. He was he was still he was too frightened from poltergeist. Yeah, he he spooked himself. Sometimes that happens with Stevie's like He'll come in at night and he'll be like, Abe, 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 I'm scared myself and I'll have to hug him again. It's okay, Stevie. It's not real. It's just a movie. Just, it's a movie you made. I'll just comb your hair, Stevie. <laughs> yep. A, a little version of an old man is in the head. <laughs> a 76-year-old baby. Yeah. Um, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, the movie was heavily inspired by Gunga Din, the 1935 film starring Cary Grant and Douglas Fairbanks, where they also fight thuggies. Um... 
you mentioned the stuff about the Indian government being uncomfortable with the script, and they also wanted Final Cut. Yeah. And um, yeah. and Douglas Fairbanks ahead. was like the equivalent of like who Harrison Ford became to us in terms of like Han Solo. And Douglas Fairbanks was Zorro. Douglas Fairbanks was the B-serial guy, you know, like, so they're literally, they're creating Harrison Ford's, by doing this, they're creating Harrison Ford's, like, career to mimic an older form of actor. It's kind of cool. I don't know. The star from the golden age of Hollywood. Yeah, for real. Yeah, just history repeats itself. For sure. It's just like, they look back and like, oh, so that's what his function was. Well, we have a guy who's really, he's like the modern yeah. version of that. Let's just, we have a guy that does that. Yeah. So let's, <laughs> let's just make him a star. Um, Spielberg really wanted to bring back Marion, uh, uh, Karen Allen in this movie. And this is the but, impulse that I think Stevie has that like Lucas doesn't, which is that he's like, I don't want to see them as moving parts where it's just like Legos that you like pick up and drop. He wants to see the story unfold. He wants to see history, more like beats that are more, um, complex because they're peppered with more details about their relationship. It's his mm-hmm. impulse as a director, and I think that that's one that should, I don't know, they should have done that. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know. I don't want to say that Spielberg's more of a filmmaker than George Lucas. I don't know. It's, I think it's just they, what they clearly they have tell. they approach storytelling in a very different way. I do even though not... there's there's some clear overlap. Obviously, they work together so much. But totally. What but were you the, gonna say? It's just the skill set is different, right? Like George Lucas can create fantastic. Like Star Wars mm-hmm. is a fantastical world that was invented by like basically one person yeah. that created so much like excitement that like hundreds and thousands of people at this point have ta- grabbed it and ran with it. Uh, and that's a that's a fucking well made movie too. Yeah, like you can't yeah, deny it. Yeah, he's also absolutely technically an amazing director um mm-hmm. stevie is just a little bit more of you know the artist i think in terms of he's not like he's not about the I, the robotics aspect he's not i, I, f- I feel like that. i feel like lucas is the sizzle and spielberg's the steak even though spielberg's <laughs> a lot of the sizzle too yeah I but like it. i like it <laughs> but um anyway um do, 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 do. I've got a bunch of stuff here. Okay, it's yeah. So uh, Spielberg wanted to bring back Marion, but Lucas was pretty insistent on the initial idea of Indiana Jones being a kind of James Bond type character. So that the idea was okay, he'll have a different love interest in each film. So they came up with Willie. Yep. Um, Kate Capshaw was cast. She was relatively unknown at the time. She had been in um, a oh shoot, I forget the director's name now. I'm blanking on it. She she had been in a film called A Little Sex. Uh, that was oh i have no clue oh man it's a it's a guy it's somebody too it's it's a a (laughs) guy i swear to god it's bruce paltrow bruce paltrow oh um yeah a little sex yeah that was first thing she ever did yeah you're right so they they auditioned over a hundred actresses for willie um and they uh kate capshaw was initially resistant she wanted to do kind of smaller art films indie films didn't really want to be in a blockbuster let alone a sequel um, but met with Spielberg, uh, Spielberg put her on tape, um, sort of surreptitiously. He was pretending to sort of like fumble with the camera while she was reading the lines. And then she was like, okay, when are we going to start? It's like, oh, we already did. I've been filming you for 15 minutes to get like her sort of natural performance out of it. Mm-hmm. And he, that's the only tape he showed to Harrison Ford. The only audition he showed to Harrison Ford, who also agreed. It's like, yeah, she's the right, she's the right actress. Yeah. Awesome awesome um 
Kihui Kwan, who plays um, Short Round, was found by a casting call in his elementary school in Los Angeles. <laughs> yep. And he beat That's out like 6,000 kids. In, uh, so many kids. In and he actually, fights. this is a, a classic story. I feel like this happens a lot. I know this is the same story with Johnny Depp in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but he actually brought his brother to the reading. He wasn't even there for the reading. But the casting agent sort of noticed him kind of like coaching his brother and telling him, no, you should read it more like this. So they auditioned him instead, and he ended up getting the part. Fucking dunk and, on your brother. Yeah, man. his <laughs> Fucking just own your brother like that. The Something I thought was funny um, was that uh, he hadn't seen Jaws or Star Wars or Raiders of the Lost Ark. So when he got the part and met Spielberg and Harrison Ford, he had no clue who they were. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what Indiana Jones was like. He was just he like, had other oh, schemes, I'm, man. He was, yeah, he was Machiavellian, no, this, frankly. Yeah. Spit in the uh, manicured version that we've been force fed since the Oscars. We, we were recording this like right after the Oscars happened, like yeah. the, the other day. And I'm just like, yeah, we get it. He's fucking lovable. He's the fucking greatest person in the world. And I love his story. Now, this tells me that he was actually planning it from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fucking great. Yeah, he beat out 6,000 kids. Good for him. Yeah. Um, They had, we mentioned that they filmed all the exterior stuff. Well, not all the exterior, but a lot of it in Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the scenes with the boa constrictor, um, they had to fly the snakes into Sri Lanka and they, the government was not cool with that. So they had to do it they had to do it sneakily and book the snakes into their own rooms in a ho- in the hotel. That and they had to book them under fake names. That's cute. Abe? What are they? Can you guess what the names were? Uh, Slippery. <laughs> Mr. Slippery. Mr. Slippy. Uh, I don't know. What? You're pretty close. What is it? Mr. and Mrs. Longfellow. Oh, that's fucking adorable. <laughs> What fun it is to make movies, baby. Yeah, what fun it is to lie to the Sri Lankan government. Yeah, that's right. Down with the government that you're trying to... Smuggle invasive species into their country. That's right. Um, The bridge, the rope bridge, Mm -hmm. uh, was demolished in a single take, obviously. You don't get to shoot that more than once. Yeah. But they loaded it with 14 mechanical dummies. Those are not real people you see falling off the bridge, obviously. Um, one of the elephants ate Kate Capshaw's uh, very elaborate nightclub dress. And then, you know, the red one with sequins that she wears in the beginning. Really? Yeah. Ate the back of it. So they had to fly the costume designer out to Sri Lanka to fix it. Jesus. Yeah. What was it doing um, in its mouth? That's crazy. I think I think it was just like she kind of wears it. I think at some parts during that scene, it was just out somewhere where the elephant was, and the elephant just fucking ate it. Fucking <laughs> love an elephant, just ruining everything. Just like I'm gonna eat the shit out of this. I don't know why. <laughs> I got I got more about the elephants ruining everything in a second. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, uh, by the way, that nightclub dress initially for the opening and anything goes number that is Kate Capshaw singing. She had to learn the lyrics to the song in Mandarin. I believe that's Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Um, she initially had uh, an elaborate dance choreography that she learned, but when they got it got to filming and you know she put on the dress, she couldn't. It was so tight on her that she couldn't actually do the dance moves anymore. So what they just compromised with what you see in the film. 
I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that's crazy. All that work, and then it's just like all that work, and then it's like, well, the dress is too tight. We need to use this dress. Oh, okay. (laughs) Didn't think that was going to be a problem. I guess it is. Okay, so here's where the um that scene where she encounters every animal, including a giant fucking owl. So initially, there was a scene with Willie where she had to deal with some snakes somehow. I'm I'm not sure exactly what was in it. Um, and when it came time to film the scene, Kate Capshaw herself uh, is terrified of snakes. Um, and she, you know, she worked with the animal handlers for days, you know, get trying to getting trying to get acclimated with the snakes and stuff. Um, and when it came time to film it, she just she just she couldn't do it. And she had a freak out. Um, and so Spielberg was like, OK, we're not doing it. We'll cut it. We'll cut it. So he rewrote um he wrote that the campfire scene with when, where she's bombarded by all the different animals to replace that initial snake scene. Damn. Um, yeah. Well, that was interesting. That, yeah, it is. But that's, that sort of explains why it's so Looney Tunes and, you know, Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but when she, when he cut the snake scene, he told her, okay, well, well, we don't have to do this scene. It's fine. You do have to do the bug scene though. Uh, and she was Classic. and she she, she said switch. to him the bug scene because I, he did she, she didn't even know she didn't know she apparently uh, this is her own her own admission she says in the in the complete making of indiana jones book she's like um i really kind of skipped over a lot of the action descriptions so like <laughs> she didn't realize she didn't there was it. a bug scene she didn't read it that's hilarious <laughs> uh but that does that's funny. That's so funny. Cause he's like, uh, yeah, I'll be nice to you this time, but, uh, we're going to do, gotta this. do the bugs. <clears throat> I need the bugs. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to top the creepy crawly scene from the last film. Uh, speaking of, uh, in that bug scene, there are 50,000 roaches Hell yeah. and 30,000 beetles. That is so many fucking, that is so many. That's too many bugs. Eh? Critters just <laughs> everywhere. They're going, w- that they all have a mind of their own, walking yeah. around wherever the fuck they want. There's no way to crowd. You can't train them. Jesus. You can spray. You can spray like pheromones or some. some keep them. Shit. Yeah. Keep them. But, but like, if they, yeah. yeah, they're just gonna walk over to Crafty and crawl inside your burrito. You know. Yep. Jesus. They're Christ. all up in the tender greens. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking hell! What a nightmare it must be working on. I've never had to deal with anything nearly with like that. Bugs the like worst that? Jesus, thing, I can't even imagine. Remotely close to that is I uh I didn't have a good car. I had like a Ford Taurus and we needed to bring hay uh into a stage to make it look like a carnival show. And I just didn't have a truck and I tried my friends who had trucks, but I had to drive out to the middle of nowhere to get fucking hay because it's in the middle it's in LA. Uh and I got hay and uh put it in the back seat of my car maybe three years four years after that i was still finding hay in my car oh yeah (laughs) it just got everywhere but that's like that's like oh it's fine i just got a little hay smell Uh, you know i cough a little bit when i'm driving it's not too bad as like oh i'm horrified because i arrived home and there's still bugs on me for who knows how long (laughs) you know People started calling me Habe. Yeah, it's true. That, 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 that's how I got my name. Um. All right. Um. Okay, I've got one more thing. Hit me with it, baby. 
Um, all right. So I mentioned the elephants being a pain in the ass. So um, Harrison Ford had injured a disc in his back uh, sometime before filming. Oh, this I know. Um, yeah, this is crazy. And it got horribly aggravated by riding on the elephants. It's apparently riding on elephants is very, very painful. Um, just because of where you have to sit on the elephant. You're, they're not sitting on saddles on the elephant. They're just sitting directly on its your back. legs super wide because it's a fat-ass animal. It's a huge animal. Um, so it fucked his back up. And it got so bad at one point that he couldn't move and was you know, lying on set on a gurney like in between takes. Um, so it got so bad he actually had to leave the shoot. He was gone for three or four weeks. So during that time, filming didn't stop. Um, they brought in shoot? his... They brought in his. I'll tell you what they shot. Uh, they brought in his stunt double, Vic Armstrong. Did a bunch of that um, shit, yeah. And they filmed a bunch of stuff, primarily the Rock Crusher fight. That yeah. entire fight is his stunt double, except for the close-ups where you see Harrison Ford's face. And you shoot all the other scenes that don't have him, but still four mm-hmm. weeks. I mean, yeah, it, it's like three or four weeks where he had to fly back to <clears throat> the states uh, to his doctor for um like lower lower uh, budget movies that's all of production you know 30 days is like oh my god that's a healthy number of days for your you know independent feature they're just yeah. like yeah we're gonna have our yeah we'll lose our lead the person who's <laughs> in 75 percent of the movie he's gone yeah he's in just about every scene yeah he's fucked up um so yeah there's apparently uh quite a bit that was filmed with his stunt double in the film. Uh, and you just don't notice it because, you know, they they filmed close-ups of Harrison Ford later to sort of insert um, so that you wouldn't notice. But, uh, yeah, Fucking he was wiped a. out for a good portion of the movie. Fucking A, that, I couldn't imagine having to mm-hmm. produce that. That's a nightmare. Um, so the last thing I have was uh, what we mentioned earlier. When the film was released uh, in May of 1984, uh, it was a big hit, but um, there was uh, the reviews were pretty mixed, and there was a lot of controversy about how violent it was, particularly because it was PG. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, because of this film and also uh, Gremlins, Gremlins, which Spielberg yeah. produced, uh, they both came out about the same time, summer of 1984. He actually personally. Um, suggested to the mpaa yeah to create a new rating to create pg-13 um and so they created pg-13 two months after temple of doom came out and they just left this as pg (laughs) which tells you about the effect and influence of spielberg at this point he is a big enough name where they're like i'm gonna be making movies like this all the time uh, you should create a th- category for me, essentially. Right. Other fil- oh, obviously, other filmmakers who want to do the same thing that I'm doing. But like, I'm doing a thing that doesn't fit your schedule, your parameters. Move yourself, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, sure." That's and crazy. I think he's right. You know, it's I mean, he's there's right. there's a there's a business aspect. I was like, well, I want to still be able to make four quadrant blockbusters, but still mm-hmm. put gnarly shit in it. Yeah. Um, but he's right that there needs to. There needs to be a, a a secondary step in between PG and R. Yeah, six year olds versus thirteen year olds is a big difference, you know. Yeah, um, and that's all I had. Well, that we were thorough this time. That truly we very makes thorough, the Abe. dream work. I love it. I love it to death. There was there was a lot. There was more too. Um, it's a great book if you. 
if you little babies listening ever want to check it out um it's called the complete making of indiana jones yes <laughs> uh man i've known you for so many years and that is like the book that you have in my mind mm-hmm. that you sleep. of course it is of ne- course it next is. to you, you 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 put down your glasses you turn off the light and the camera jibs down and shows what book you're reading and it was that fucking book and that's tom that's tom ryman for me uh it's, a, it's an exhaustive book i love it i love it let's go uh to the last part of this stupid the stupid part of the podcast is what i should the say. stupid part of the podcast yeah. okay folks <laughs> this is where we we come up with alternative taglines that describe the film you might see on the poster in bizarro world uh these are terrible log lines basically let's go baby i got five uh well, well, a little section we like to call Close Encounters of the Word Kind. Woo! These yeah, yeah. Technically log lines. Technically log lines. All right, start the music, Future Tom. Let's go. I'll start. All right, you start. A crowd of cultists just mill around until the Order decides to sacrifice another human, where they go to applaud and chant while it happens. This, I believe, is their job. <laughs> right, what do they do after what do they they're do? done? They, Where do they, they seem go? like they have nowhere to go. It's amazing. They have apartments down there? I think so. They're not They're oh. not the people, because we see they're dressed different, the people who are whipping all the children. They have nothing to do with the children. Nope. They are unrelated to the child, the child labor part of this cult. Right. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right, all right. A nightclub singer goes to work and never comes home. That's true. She's just fucked off, didn't she? Yep. Subducted. Now she's, she's abducted <laughs> to India. Well, I guess it was a different time. Uh, hell yeah. Well, let's go. A man waiting motionless in a mural in order to kill Indiana Jones and Short Round are forced to listen to Indy and his lady friend talk about fucking for like five straight minutes. Oh, man. That just made him more excited to choke Indy to death. <laughs> He's a fucking professional and a hero. And also Short Round, who I, I guess he was technically sleeping when they were talking about it, but still. He's asleep, yeah. He's, he's a horny little boy. <laughs> <clears throat> a tenured professor of archaeology catches a child trying to steal a... Um, I'm sorry. A tenured professor of archaeology catches a child trying to pick his pocket and steals him. <laughs> he does. He just takes him. Just, you're just mine you're now. You're mine now. <laughs> and he's like, I love you, Dr. Jones. Yes, you well, are He's mine. a pet. You're my pet. It took you're a, my child. Stockholm Syndrome, that boy. <clears throat> Indiana Jones, famous archaeologist, cannot go to back to Madagascar, or the king will cut off his dick. <laughs> that is... It's in the scene... With the monkey brains. <laughs> Forgot about that. Oh, man, what did he do? What the fuck did he do, dude? Is that why he's famous? God damn, I need to know. Man, it's notorious is more like it. All right. An empty airplane crashes into a mountain, confounding authorities for decades to come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost plane. Ghost who took this fl- There's no bodies here. There's uh, nobody in it. It's, it's a bunch of chickens. Self-driving plane. Uh, after being told that an ancient evil has arrived in Pancot Palace, the first thing that Indy does when he arrives is ask, Hey, I heard you and this place are evil. 
Just real good detective shit, man. Real Columbo real shit, Indy. <laughs> Dolt. Alright. <clears throat> a notorious grave robber destroys a rope bridge, devastating an entire region. Yeah, the, no one can cross that now. That's the only bridge. There's that's a huge fucking chasm. Peasant's livelihood. <laughs> he takes his fucking donkey yeah. through that shit every day to get water. And now he's fucked. Yep. God damn, I didn't think of that. That's yep. great. All right, my, this is my <laughs> last one. All right. If you ever want to get a woman super horny, take her to a place where she hates the food, tell her you hate her, and then show up later that night with food she likes. This will work even if she hates you. That is the gospel, according to Indiana Jones, ladies and gentlemen. That's yeah. good advice. That's good advice. All right, this is my last one. A man dressed for a carnival cruise vacation gets his heart ripped out. <laughs> so, oh man. They put a lay on yeah, him. He's, he's, ready, he's ready to go fucking scuba diving right now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so this is not what he was expecting. <laughs> uh, this is not the package he thought he paid for. Fuck yeah. And that's a wrap, baby. It is. We Woo! did it. Another oh, one man. done. We continue to be Spielboys. Holy shit. Just dropping Spielboy crumbs all around. God My damn. goodness. Abe, Abe, you beautiful king. Mm-hmm. Um, What do you... Do you what do we do at this point? Do we do we do we tell people things? Do you want to do you have yeah, things to tell just, them? Let's just tell them that if you want this series, mm-hmm. all in all, you're obviously paying some. Uh, this is a free episode. If you this haven't free noticed, noticed, and we'd like to do this every few months um, in order to get some buzz around the show. But this, along with um, which also had a free episode last month. Uh, uh, Star Trek The Next Futurama is a continued two part like two different shows where Dave and Mike and me and Tom like to do this thing where we're collaborating with different hosts because we're tired of the other guy and we're just mm-hmm. like hey uh, let's just do this show and that's what Spielboys is and so if you want to continue to listen to all the other episodes that we have and all episodes into the future make sure to patria- uh, patronize I guess that's the word, right? Patronize. Yeah. Uh, patronize. Yeah, patronize. Uh, Gamefly Unemployed and Spielboys. For $5 a month, you can get Small all... Small beans. Small beans, not Spielboys. Not Spielboys. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong? It's late. And uh, and then you'll get the whole show. That's that's yeah. that's the rub. That's it. The, to to patreon.com slash smallbeans and patreon.com slash Gamefly Unemployed. Woo, baby. We get all episodes of Spielboys, all episodes of Star Trek The Next Futurama, plus a bunch of other exclusive podcasts on both uh, channels. Listen, it's a grand old time. There's so much fun stuff to check out there. We do movie nights. Uh, both both networks do movie nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do custom podcasts. We do all sorts of things. So check it out. Yeah. Sit a while and listen, as they say. <laughs> Stay a while. Stay a while. Listen. listen. <laughs> I don't know why. I just was playing that. Uh, Deckard Kane. <laughs> Kane reference at the end of Spielberg. Yeah, what the bro. fuck am I doing? Uh, well, that's yeah, that's a wrap, baby. It's always a All pleasure, right. Tom. Always a uh, fucking every pleasure. time, man. Mm. I can't wait. I, l- till I, l- we're... I love Spielboying with you. Mm. And until next time, I'm just gonna be staring at this wall until the Spielboys activate. I'm gonna paint myself to look like a painting on the wall. Oh, he's gonna fucking kill me, aren't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh no! <laughs> this betrayal is like Dan Aykroyd-esque. 
<laughs> this Ackroyd-esque betrayal! Oh no! Spielboys are watching Stevie's movies. Spielboys are watching Stevie's movies. Spielboys are watching Stevie's movies. Spielboys! Our channel artwork is produced by Michael Vincent Bramley. You can find more of his artwork at Instagram.com slash MVBramleyArt.